Hello, everybody, and welcome again to a quick uh, SU Oddities. Uh, on this one, uh, we have a little bit different for you. Uh, you know, of course, as you know here uh, on the podcast, we're big book aficionados, what we read, um, and uh, some of the content that we pick up. And so there's a book that I picked up that was very interesting. It was called The Devil's Atlas, and it was actually written by uh, Edward Brooke Hitching. Um, saw it in a shop uh, a few months ago, but basically it really covers different varieties I, – Bear with me, folks, of hell. So, mankind forever, you know, has been uh, completely fascinated with the idea of heaven and hell. Whether you are devout and you actually have religion and belief in your back pocket, and that's you go to church, whatever have you, or you're the other kind, you're an atheist and you don't really believe that there's anything out there, or perhaps you're an agnostic that kind of sits in the middle. Uh, you don't know whether there's anything, but you're not going to say there's nothing because you're afraid to be struck by lightning, whatever the reason may be. Um, all different shapes or forms in between. It really, at the end of the day, no matter what side you are, what belief you have with you in your culture, uh, it's just fascinating. The idea of hell has been fascinating, and it's been depicted in paintings and books and whatever have you. So uh, I'm actually going to read a quick little excerpt. Uh, you know, this is going to be this episode here in regards to hell, in regards to how it's viewed and how it's looked at. Um, and it's very interesting. And then, of course, we're going to follow up uh, with, uh, I think, last episode, we had a ghost quiz about The Shining, and we will talk about that as well. However, let's start with this. The Devil's Atlas charts the various ways in which scholars, artists, and cartographers across the centuries have risen to paradoxical challenge of their questions with certain knowledge that the answers are beyond human reach. Uh, this book that I picked up actually is, that's exactly what it does. It maps out the unmappable and it kind of paints a description, different cultures, different beliefs about what exactly is hell. Physical descriptions of these other worlds are collected from earliest and most revered sources like the Judeo-Christian scriptures, the Quran and the Islamic Hadiths, as well as more esoteric works like apocalyptic testimonies, divine revelations, and colorful outsider theories. Each realm is accompanied with uh, cartographic and artistic representations inspired by these original descriptions throughout the ages. And this has been going on for centuries, and it continues. As such, um, this book that I picked up here, it's kind of a field manual, I guess, of sorts of the afterlife and how to explore it and how to look at it and how different cultures actually view it. Uh, what is of particular interest are the practical efforts to apply earthly metrics to these intangible realms. Often this can uh, often this can be with time. The date of the 13th February is marked in a number of medieval calendars of Christendom on as of the day in which hell was created. In Hinduism, the entire length of existence of the universe is a single reverie of a god Brahma in just one day of his time. For us, the daydream lasts for about 34 billion years. The night falls for Brahma, the universe fades, and the next day he dreams anew. This is reminiscent of Ashari Ari's theology advocated by some Muslim philosophers, which states that Allah is continually destroying and recreating the universe at every moment, uh, which is similar to, curiously enough, the modern quantum field theory that argues that our existence involves us being annihilated and reformed many times per second. And I've heard of that theory, by the way, and it's, uh, it's fascinating. The populace of a heaven and hell has always been another theme of intellectual interrogation. In the late 17th century, the theologian Thomas Burnett deduced that there would be political government in heaven and would have to be divided into nations. The English, the French, Germans, and Italians would therefore have to be kept separated in the air. Quote, Many analyzed references in the final book of the Bible, Revelation, to calculate the demonic population and hierarchy of hell. 
The medieval mathematician Michael Scott, uh, 1175 to 1213-32, concluded there to be 14,198,580 demons. Woof! That's a lot of demons. Uh, the Spanish bishop Alfonso de Spina, uh, 1491, inflated that estimate to 133,306,668. I don't know where these people are getting their calculations from. Um, crazy. And he actually went as far as to publish his own classification of demons, as did many authors, including King James VI in 1591. Particularly notorious is a hierarchy in the uh, Dictionnaire Infernal that was written in 1818 by Jacques Colin de Plancy, which was republished in 1863 with 69 portraits of various demons. It is here, for example, that we learn of the political positions in hell, with descriptions of demons like Adramelech, King of Fire, Eighth of the Ten Archdemons, and Grand Chancellor of Hell. The Franciscan friar Berthold of Regensburg, 1210-72, believed only one in 100,000 people would be allowed into heaven, which certainly fit with the relatively modest proportions of the Christian heaven described in chapter 21 of Revelation. Here, heaven is a symmetrical cube, 12,000 furlongs on each side. One furlong... That reminds me of that old Bill Cosby joke. What's a cubit? Anyway... One furlong is one-eighth of a mile, which means heaven is 1,500 miles on each side. If it came to rest on earth, heaven would therefore cover landmass equal to about one-half of the United States. And I've never heard that fact that somebody tried to put a scale of, <laughs> of heaven into places crazy. In contrast, uh, Vakaontha, the heaven of the Hindu god Vishnu, is 80,000 miles in circumference. Elsewhere, the Sanskrit epic Mayabhatara, reveals that the heaven of the god Brahma is 800 miles long, 400 miles wide, and 40 miles high. And what of the proportions of God himself, you ask? In the Seferizial Himalak, a 13th century grimoire of practical Kabbalah purportedly written by the angel Raziel, it is divulged that the Jewish God is, wait for it, 2,300,000,000, uh, percentages high, or layman terms, 17.2 billion miles. Uh, for comparison with that, this is more than twice the current distance of Pluto from the Earth. In case you guys were wondering, there you go, there's a tidbit. From the Sandarar Lahara, a Hindu text thought to have been written on the mystical Mount Meru, we learn that the entire cosmos is but of a mote of dust on the foot of all-encompassing female deity, Mahadeva. And in the revered Hindu text, Bhagavata Purana, this mind-boggling cosmic scale is brought back to us, full circle, with a poetic statement, quote, There are innumerable universes besides this one, and although they are unlimitedly large, they move about like atoms in you. Therefore, you are called unlimited, unquote. Cardiographically, an empirical approach towards the immeasurable is at the heart of the Renaissance obsession, which... It was true. The Renaissance were completely obsessed with heaven and hell. Uh, that's crazy where most of the paintings came from. Uh, with infernal cartography, the challenge to precisely map the hell of Dante's Inferno, the definitive work in the construction of the Western European image of hell. What with hell being so deep beneath the surface of the earth, none could argue with those charting the Italian poet's conical netherworld. 
This was none of a luxury that could be enjoyed by those map makers attempting to pinpoint the location of the earthly paradise as they became caught in the transitional phase of cartography from allegorical mapping to the newly rediscovered Ptolemaic system of coordinates, which stretched land masses on maps into their first accurate shapes with mathematical methodology. Suddenly, a map was required to have a practical geographical accuracy. So, where to mark traditional belief features like the Garden of Eden? Hmm, interesting. This puzzle of fitting both heaven and hell in the material universe continued through the Age of Enlightenment with outside-the-box thinkers like Tobias Swindon and his extraterrestrial relocation of hell and his inquiry into the nature and place of hell was written in 1714, devising solutions as brilliant in their simplicity as they are mind-boggling in their strangeness. It's a tradition that continues to this day, albeit on the fringes of coherence. Particularly intriguing are the broadcasts of the American TV evangelist Dr. Jack Van Imp and Jack Van Imp Ministries, who, in 2001, declared that the black holes fit all the technical requirements to be the location of hell. And I've heard that uh, prior, too. That's... Um, that's crazy. Van Eep caused a similar stir again in 2007 with the announcement that the basic design of the automobile could be found in the Bible. That is a new one on me. So where do heaven and hell sit today in popular preoccupation? A 2017 UK religious survey conducted on behalf of the BBC found that 46% of people believe in some form of life after death. Of those, 65% believe this to be either heaven or hell. Meanwhile, in America, belief in Satan is apparently on the rise. <laughs> According to Gallup polls across recent decades, 55% of the Americans said they believed in the devil in 1990. In 2001, this was, wait for it, 68%. And by 2007, it had increased to 70%. Separately, a 2011 Associated Press poll showed that 77% of adult Americans believe in angels. And in 1997, a U.S. News & World Report poll asked 1,000 Americans who was somewhat likely to go to heaven. Ah, these are interesting tidbits, too. Listen to this. Bill Clinton scored 52%, Princess Diana 60%, and Mother Teresa came in second with 79%. In first place, though, with 87%, can anybody guess it, were the respondents to the poll who gave themselves top marks. However much a vibrancy of heaven and hell varies in modern popular belief, there remains a universally instinctive fascination with the mystery of what will come. Ultimately, what makes the descriptions, maps, paintings, and other materials as collected throughout history, uh, they really are attempts at achieving the impossible. Indeed, the term inafalibus, which is too great to be expressed in words, was introduced to theology in the 5th century by St. Augustine, who explained that it is easier to describe what God in heaven is not than to say what he and it is. The world that awaits is simply beyond the descriptive power of the human language. This he drew from Paul's statement to the Corinthians, quote, I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him, unquote. And that actually was uh, from 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 9. Nevertheless, here are the results of millennia of human endeavor to unravel that mystery. So interesting. Again, tip it on heaven and hell. It's always uh, it's always been fascinating. And uh, I'll take some excerpts from this book as we go through because uh, different uh, cultures and how they view it and, and really the work they put into it. Wow, you know, some people may say waste of time, but the same thing at the same time, maybe, you know, this is what uh, this is what gives belief a, a backbone of sorts, right?
So anyway, very interesting. So folks, last uh, last SU oddities, we had a quick little uh, quiz. We asked in the movie The Shining, what is the number of the room in the Overlook Hotel in which Danny encounters a ghost who tries to strangle him? Uh, 237, 666, 113, or 405. If you guys are Shining fans, which I am one, I actually have a couple of van shoes that are Shining, and this number is stamped on the side of the sole, it would be room number 237. Again, room 237. So uh, for those of you who got it right, pat on the back. For those of you who didn't, eh, just might as well give up now. So that has been a quick little edition of a new SU Oddities. Close the gates.